What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 32 of the Football MD podcast, and it is finally time for the fantasy football playoffs. My name is Michael Bowling. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Daniel Ronan, and we are here today to break down every week 14 game to get you guys ready to make a run at a fantasy championship. Of course, make sure you're following us at Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and heading over to footballmdpodcast.com to keep up with all of the content regarding NCAA, betting odds, and of course, your fantasy content as well. But we have a lot to get to today, so we're going to hop right into the games here, starting with the Carolina Panthers playing the Cleveland Browns in a game with a 46 and a half point over under. On the Panthers' side of the ball, quarterback Cam Newton is dealing with a shoulder injury. He's been a limited participant in practice all week, so just make sure you're monitoring that situation. Otherwise, he's a must-start quarterback one just about every single week. Then in the passing game, DJ Moore is the Panthers wide receiver that I have the most trust in. He's now seen eight or more targets in each of his last three games and should see at least that many targets this week with Devin Funches still banged up and Greg Olson out for the season. And this is going to be against a Browns team that has allowed a top 24 wide receiver in 10 of their 12 games played this season. I have Moore as a solid wide receiver too, right ahead of guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Tyler Boyd, Allen Robinson. I'd start him over the Eagles receivers, Doug Baldwin, just to put a few guys in that range for you. And as for his teammate Curtis Samuel, he definitely can't be ignored after playing on 112 of 129 snaps over the last two weeks and seeing 11 targets in last week's game. So the upside is definitely there, and I know this isn't a bad matchup, but he's still just a boom or bust option for me. And then tight end Ian Thomas looked pretty good last week, filling in for Greg Olson, catching all five of his targets. But let's not forget that was against a Buccaneers team that's really struggled against tight ends all season. I do think that Thomas is worth rostering just as a speculative ad, but I wouldn't recommend sliding him into your lineups in week 14 as this is do or die time, it's playoffs, and I don't want to rely on an unproven option at a volatile position. And on the Brown side of the ball, a much more favorable matchup than they, than they had last week against the red-hot Texans who have won nine straight. The Carolina Panthers couldn't be more of the opposite end of the spectrum, dropping all four of their last games. And in that time, the Browns are 2-2. Two and two. So a team that seems to be clicking and getting on a roll is finally taking on a team that seems to be trending in the wrong direction. On the Browns, though, Baker Mayfield was shut down last week, like I said, against the Texans, but played pretty well in three games prior. This week's matchup is much more favorable As the Panthers have allowed 26 passing touchdowns over the last 11 games, as well as four 300-yard passing games since Week 5. And Mayfield should be able to provide higher-end quarterback two numbers this week. With the cushiony matchup, we wouldn't be too surprised if he outperforms guys like Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, or maybe even somebody as good as Kirk Cousins against Seattle this week. So consider Baker Mayfield in your lineups this week. As for Nick Chubb, he's been lights out. He's been so good, you can't take him out of your lineup. But this is one of the tougher matchups he's faced so far. The Panthers' defense is not great through the air. It's it's definitely been very vulnerable, but on the ground, they are stout. So not allowing a 100-yard rusher since back in Week 2. But they have allowed a rushing touchdown in five of their last six games. There's a chance Nick Chubb finds the end zone and offers you low-end RB1 production. Jarvis Landry has been far from trustworthy this season. I'm a fan of his matchup this week against the Carolina Panthers, who have allowed 14 wide receiver touchdowns on the season and have allowed 20-plus point receiver in five straight games. This has him as a top 24 option this week. And as for David Njoku, who's cooled off since his hot start in the beginning of the season, should bounce back as a solid tight end one this week. The Panthers allow the most fantasy points to tight ends, and Njoku has a fairly safe floor seeing five-plus targets in nine of his 12 games this season. 
So expect a better game through the air and a much more competitive game for the Browns this week than last week. In our next matchup, the Ravens travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs with an over-under of 52.5. The Chiefs have been a much tougher team at home than on the road. They're allowing 17.6 points per game at home compared to 34.1 points on the road per game, making what was already a tough matchup even tougher for the Baltimore Ravens. But in order to keep their playoff hopes alive, they do have to secure a win this week. So Lamar Jackson will remain in the low-end quarterback one conversation as long as he's the starter due to his rushing abilities. He might not be the most electric passer, but his rushing ability offers you a very, very safe floor, about 100 yards and a touchdown rushing. I mean, you start a running back that's going to give you that start, stat line, and then he's going to get, and then he'll at least offer you a few passing yards on top of that. So, definitely worth a play. And the Chiefs have struggled against the run this season, allowing the 11th most rushing yards per game, which bodes well for not only Lamar Jackson but Gus Edwards. We are expecting him to be the primary ball carrier as long as Jackson stays at quarterback. But if the Chiefs get ahead early. In this one, the Ravens may have to rely on the pass, and Edwards still has yet to log a reception since taking over the job, which has him as a lower-end RB2 with a high risk of being phased out of the game plan. On the other side of that, Ty Montgomery, the pass catcher, might have some flex appeal as a streamer this week due to them probably having to throw the football a little bit more in a game that they're more than likely going to be behind in. As for all the pass catchers on the Ravens, as long as Jackson is at quarterback, you're not trusting them. Not very appealing at this point. Solid analysis by my co-host here, and I'm not expecting a massive performance from Patrick Mahomes, but he did probably get you to this point in the season, so you're going to keep rolling with him as a quarterback one every week. Same with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you roll with them regardless of the matchup. But the run game is what everyone is concerned about here, and it wasn't a huge day for Spencer Ware last week. Of course, he got the start on short notice, but it was a good matchup against the Raiders. This one is a lot less favorable as the Ravens haven't allowed any team of running backs to combine for more than 111 yards against them this season, and they have allowed just seven total touchdowns to the position. James Conner and Christian McCaffrey are actually the only running backs to finish in the top 15 against the Ravens all season. So while getting goal line opportunities on a high-powered offense is never a bad thing, you really can't expect more than a lower-end running back two performance from where this week, and Sharkandrick West and Damian Williams, they're both worth rostering, but I have no interest in starting them here. And now we'll hop right into our next matchup of the week, the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Houston Texans in a game with a 49 and a half point over under. And for quarterback Andrew Luck, I know on paper the Texans defense looks brutal against quarterbacks, but from weeks 5 to 10 they played the Cowboys before they had Amari Cooper, the Buffalo Bills, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Brock Osweiler-led Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Washington Redskins. So the Texans have had some awesome matchups. Now over the last two weeks, they've allowed 700 passing yards and three touchdowns to Marcus Mariota and Baker Mayfield. This is just a very long-winded way of me saying that I love Andrew Luck as a top-tier option at the position this week. However, for the run game, the Texans haven't allowed more than 116 rushing yards to any team of running backs in any game this season, and Marlon Mack has been trending down after his on-fire return to the Colts lineup. I have him right around players like Tevin Coleman, Josh Adams, LaShawn McCoy is also in that range for me. I think he's just a running back three in this matchup, and going forward, honestly. And, and then for T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron, they're every week must-starts, but Hilton has been dealing with some injuries. Reports came out that the Colts are cautiously optimistic that he will be playing on Sunday, so that is 100% something to monitor. And on the other side of the ball for the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson is in the same situation as Andrew Luck. If you look at the Colts' recent matchups against the Jets, the Derek Anderson-led Panthers, the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Dolphins, and again, 
the Jaguars, but with Cody Kessler at quarterback, they've had some cushiony matchups. But they've been solid against subpar teams. I'm expecting Deshaun Watson to finish as a top five option in this matchup. For Lamar Miller, the Colts have been brutal against the run, not allowing multiple rushing touchdowns or a 100-yard rusher in any of the games this season. So I would temper expectations for Lamar Miller, especially with how often we've seen Alfred Blue get involved in the backfield as of late. But I'd still have a hard time sitting Lamar Miller with how well he's been playing, and I'm not going to suggest that you should do that. I think he's still a mid-tier RB2. I wouldn't be sitting him for less proven guys like Spencer Ware, Jalen Samuels, or someone someone in that range. But outside of Watson, Miller, and of course DeAndre Hopkins, who's an every week start, I'm not trusting anyone else from the Houston Texans offense. Up next, the Patriots take on the Dolphins in an AFC East divisional matchup with an over-under of 47.5. We talked about on Wednesday that you can't trust Tom Brady with confidence in the playoffs. He just hasn't been very productive for fantasy purposes. But the Dolphins have allowed all but one of their opponents to finish as a top 15 quarterback option. So he should be able to post quarterback two numbers, if not up into the quarterback one territory. But the Dolphins also have the second most interceptions in the NFL and have been terrible against the run. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brady isn't asked to do as much and the game kind of flows not only through the run game, but the short checkdowns out of the backfield. With that being said, the Dolphins have allowed 100 plus rushing yards in eight of their last 12 games and have allowed 5.07 yards per carry since losing William Hayes back in week four. So go ahead and start Michelle as a mid to back end RB1. And as I mentioned, I'm not expecting Brady to need to do much in the passing game, which means less targets and more risk for James White, who should still be a solid flex flex option this week. And quick note for Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon, I have them both as wide receiver twos this week, but it doesn't look like cornerback Xavier Howard will be playing, so definitely some added confidence for Gordon there. Xavier Howard is their number one cornerback, their top coverage guy, and has, I believe, a league-leading six or seven interceptions, so that's where the majority of their interceptions come from as well. So losing Xavier Howard for the Miami Dolphins is detrimental to that defense. And for the Dolphins, it's more of the same for running back Kenyon Drake. He's the only player that I would consider starting here. We know that he has big game potential and has found the end zone six times over the last six weeks. But he's also had more than 10 touches in just four of his last 10 games. So I have him as a running back three here. Clearly, there's some upside for more, but he can also ruin your week. So not an ideal player to be trusting in the fantasy playoffs, but serviceable nonetheless. Up next is the Saints taking on the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay with an over-under of 57. And as for the Saints' weapons, if you need any reassuring, the Bucks' defense is 30th worst against quarterbacks, 27th worst against running backs, 30th, 30th worst against wide receivers, and 28th worst against tight ends. They are literally giving up a ton of points to every single position, every single game. So fire up your Saints. If you're looking for a tight end streamer, I think Dan Arnold is an interesting option. He's turned 13 targets into 115 yards and a touchdown over his last four games, while Ben Watson has seen just four targets for 21 yards during the same span. So he seems to be falling out of fashion there. I said it last week, targets and a and a plus matchup is all you can ask for at the tight end position, and that is where Dan Arnold falls this week. And for the Buccaneers, you're rolling with Jameis Winston as a QB1. And for Peyton Barber, I think his ceiling in this matchup is 10 points if he finds the end zone. So I'd avoid him if possible. 
for the wide receivers, you're starting Mike Evans, but he does have a tough matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, and the emergence of Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys has definitely cut into his target share, so I have him as a solid wide receiver too this week. And Deshaun Jackson has been ruled out of this game, so the aforementioned Chris Godwin should be a solid wide receiver three flex play in a much more favorable matchup against Eli Apple. And the same goes for Adam Humphreys, who has actually outscored Mike Evans since he started to come on back in week six. He should be able to exploit P.J. Williams in the slot, and I know I've been pounding the table for tight end Cameron Brait as a weekly tight end one. But the Saints have been brutal against tight ends this year, and Brait hasn't had more than three receptions or 36 yards all season. So while I'm not giving up on him entirely, especially in what should be a high-scoring game, he's still just a tight end two for me this week, as I think he'll disappoint if he doesn't find his way into the end zone. Up next is the Falcons traveling to, to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers. With an over-under of 48.5, the Falcons' offense certainly has been out of sync as of late. As we mentioned on Wednesday, it's now been four straight games under 20 points, and the combination of a strong Packers pass rush against an offensive line that has allowed Matt Ryan to be sacked 12 times over the past three weeks is definitely not ideal. However, I do expect Matt Ryan to take advantage of the Packers' struggling secondary, keeping him in the low-end quarterback one conversation. As for Tevin Coleman in the run game, he has just 14 yards on 14 carries over the last two weeks and just four receptions for 20 yards with a touchdown. For that reason, I listed him as an avoid on our Instagram page this week, but the Packers have allowed 95-plus rushing yards nine times this season as well as a rushing, touchdowns in a, a rushing touchdown in eight games this season. So I do see the potential for him to finish in the lower-end RB2 range, but still a situation that I would avoid if possible. And I feel the same for the rest of the offense outside of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I like Ridley's matchup against Josh Jackson Josh Jackson on paper, and Sanu should provide a solid floor in PPR formats. But I think if you made it to the playoffs, you likely have safer options to rely on. And for the Packers, I know that Aaron Rodgers has performed more like a streaming option as of late, but I have no hesitation starting him against the Falcons, who allow the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. And the same for running back Aaron Jones, as the Falcons have allowed 586 rushing yards over the last four weeks and the third most fantasy points to the running back position this season. Then, of course, Devontae Adams is a no-questions-asked every-week play. And I'm just going to blow right through this next game, the New York Jets playing the Buffalo Bills in a game with a 38-and-a-half point over-under. Starting with the Jets' side of the ball, I'm not starting any Jets players this week. If you do have a pressing question about any Jets players, just contact us at FootballMDPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook so you can hear me tell you to sit them once again. Moving over to the Bills' side of the ball, quarterback Josh Allen now has 22 carries for 234 yards over the last two weeks, and that's not something that we can just ignore. It is really impressive, and that provides him with a safe floor for fantasy, but at this point in the season, unless we see him drastically improve as a passer, he's not someone that I would trust as anything more than a mid-range QB2 in two quarterback leagues. Sure, you can start him, but other than that, not much confidence, and I really can't trust any options on the Bills' offense either. LaShawn McCoy's had just 98 yards on 32 carries over the last two weeks, and the Bills just lost their center, making their offensive line even weaker than it already was, and we know that Zay Jones has some upside after posting four receptions for 67 yards and two touchdowns last week, but he also had just one target in the week prior. So I think he's just a wait and see at this point, not someone that I'm willing to risk my playoff run on. And our next matchup is between the Giants and the Redskins with an over-under of 41 and a half. This is, an easy, this is another easy one here for the Giants. You're starting Barkley and OBJ every week, and that's about it. 
As for the Redskins, offense is another one that I have a hard time trusting, especially with Mark Sanchez behind the, behind center. But the Giants' defense is just so friendly, allowing 114 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown every te- to every team they've played since trading Damon Harrison. Adrian Peterson went for 156 yards and two total touchdowns the last time they played in Week 8. It may not seem ideal, but I am projecting a mid to low end RB2 production for Adrian Peterson this week. So other than Adrian Peterson, a full avoid across the board for the Washington Redskins. And right on to the Bengals traveling to LA to take on the Chargers with an over-under of 48. On the Bengals side of the ball, without A.J. Green and Andy Dalton in that offense, you have to be dead scared of it. In my opinion, you should really be trying to stay away. I have Joe Mixon as a fringe RB1 this week as the Chargers have allowed just one 100-yard rusher on the season but they've also allowed six touchdowns to the running back position over the last three weeks. Mixon should get an uptick in targets in the passing game, and this defense has allowed the sixth most receptions and fourth most receiving yards to to the running back position. And Tyler Boyd should be another beneficiary of those vacated targets as the Chargers defense has allowed an 81.4% catch rate out of the slot this season. But cornerback Desmond King has played pretty well, so I have him as a safe floor, lower-end wide receiver, too. And on the Chargers side of the ball, you're starting Phillip Rivers as a rock-solid quarterback one this week, and the Bengals have allowed the most points in the NFL to opposing running backs. So while I do think that Justin Jackson will be more involved after totaling 120 yards and a touchdown on just 15 carries over the last two weeks, he's still not getting work in the passing game, keeping him in that flex territory. While Austin Eckler should provide solid running back two production with 15 receptions over the last two weeks up against the Bengals defense, that's allowed a league-leading six receiving touchdowns to the running back position. Up next, the Broncos take on the 49ers with an over-under of 44-and-a-half. And of course, for the Broncos, you're starting Phillip Lindsay each and every week. But this is a little bit more of a difficult matchup than you might have expected. The 49ers have allowed just one running back to rush for more than 69 yards against them, and that was Melvin Gordon, a top-tier elite running back in the NFL. So he may not extend his streak, so Phillip Lindsay may not extend his streak, to three consecutive 100-yard rushing games. But with the way he's playing, you aren't considering moving him out of your lineup. And while wide receiver Cortland Sutton plays a completely different role than Emmanuel Sanders did, I don't think it's a stretch to project him for upwards of 10 targets against a 49ers team that ranks 22nd against fantasy wide receivers and cornerback Akilo Witherspoon, who is the lowest-graded cornerback by Pro Football Focus. He has, had, he has allowed five touchdowns in his coverage this season. So I have Sutton as a fringe wide receiver too with some touchdown upside. I start him over guys like DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, and definitely Tyler Boyd this week. The other guy to keep your eye on is Deshaun Hamilton, the fourth round pick out of Penn State. And I watched a lot of film on Deshaun Hamilton this offseason. I'm a little bit of a fan, but only because he's a talented player. And he doesn't get as much credit as probably due to him. That's why he fell to the fourth round. But this is an awesome young man. You should check out his backstory. He has taken care of his brother for a very long time due to some complications. And his and not only is his character great, but he is a talented player. And now he's stepping into a role that's, that is more similar to what Emmanuel Sanders did as opposed to Cortland Sutton. Deshaun Hamilton plans to probably play in the slot. And although he hasn't had many targets thrown his way, he has he did play over 80% of snaps last week. So he has been on the field. And all it takes is a little comfortability, a couple of caught passes from Case Keenum, and a 
to build a little trust and he could be trending in the right direction. And then for the San Francisco 49ers, the Denver Broncos have been brutal against running backs, not allowing a rushing touchdown in six straight games, despite playing Joe Mixon, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Lamar Miller, Kareem Hunt, and David Johnson. So Jeffrey Wilson, while he did see nine targets last week, that definitely gives me a little more optimism for his outlook. He's still just a running back three in PPR formats that I wouldn't want to rely on. I have him around guys like Justin Jackson, Marlon Mack, and Tevin Coleman this week. And for our next game of the week, we have the Philadelphia Eagles playing the Dallas Cowboys in a game with a 43-point over-under. And coming off of a game where the Cowboys just held Drew Brees to 127 yards and one touchdown, which, by the way, they also haven't allowed a quarterback to throw for more than two touchdowns against them on any game this season. Combined with this being a divisional game and a low over-under, it's really tough for me to trust Carson Wentz as anything more than a mid-tier quarterback too this week. I think I would actually prefer to stream somebody like... Baker Mayfield, who has a plus matchup against the Carolina Panthers, then start Wentz this week. And I also have a tough time trusting Josh Adams and the Eagles' run game, as this is clearly a committee with Corey Clement and now Darren Sproles also being worked in. And the Cowboys have allowed the eighth-fewest points to running backs on the season. So Adams should get some goal-line carries, but his lack of involvement in the passing game keeps him in that mid-RB3 range with guys... Like I mentioned before, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, and Marlon Mack. Definitely startable, but not the most ideal situation for the fantasy playoffs. And at this point, I'm realizing that outside of tight end Zach Ertz, I really don't have much confidence in any part of the Eagles offense this week. If you listen to Wednesday's episode or follow us on Instagram, then you know that we don't have much trust in either Alshon Jeffrey or Golden Tate. They're both talented players, but Jeffrey is definitely touchdown dependent at this point. And I would prefer Golden Tate over Jeffrey here since he does seem to be becoming a go-to target for Carson Wentz, but they're both just mid-tier wide receiver threes for me. So outside of Zach Ertz, he's the only one that's locked in for top-tier production against this Cowboys defense. And for the Cowboys, who have been playing much better, obviously coming off that home win against the New Orleans Saints last Thursday night, Dak Prescott, who's been a bit up and down this season, has continued to get it done with the legs for five touchdowns over his last seven games. And while the Eagles secondary has been plagued with injuries, They've also allowed over 100 rushing yards in four straight games. So Dak Prescott has high-end quarterback two, low-end quarterback one potential. So we could see him finishing inside the top 10 or just outside. But there could be a scenario where if they get out ahead, they pound the ball with Zeke. And if Zeke is having a dominating game, you don't really come away from that. So, So besides the run game, Amari Cooper in the passing game, he's an obvious start. He's now caught 16 of his last 17 targets for 255 yards and two touchdowns. He's playing lights out. He's opening up the passing game for the Dallas Cowboys. And you're going to continue to roll him out as a wide receiver, you know, fringe wide receiver one and two. And right into our next matchup where we have the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Oakland Raiders in a game with a 51.5 point over-under. For the Steelers, you're starting your studs here as the Raiders have been brutal on defense. Even tight end Vance McDonald should be considered a high-end streamer as Oakland has allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends on the season. But it's the run game that I know that we all want to talk about. And whether it's been Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, or D'Angelo Williams, the Steelers have predominantly run just one back. And I think that Jalen Samuels will get his opportunity. But there should be plenty of work to go around as the Raiders allow 130.5 rushing yards per game to the running back position. So I still have Samuels as a lower end running back too as he's definitely not guaranteed the workhorse role. But there is upside for more than that lower end RB2 that I currently have him slated for. And as we mentioned on Wednesday, if you do play in Yahoo Leagues, Samuels can actually be played in your tight end spot, so lock him in as a tight end one as well. We have a low-end RB2 and a tight end one for Jalen Samuels. And on the Raiders' side of the ball, if we really need to talk about them, we're not really trusting any of the pieces 
any pieces outside of tight end Jared Cook. The Steelers have allowed the seventh fewest points to fantasy running backs on the season, and Doug Martin has been dealing with a knee injury. No thanks. Cook, on the other hand, has seen less than five targets just three times this season, and the Raiders are going to have to throw the ball to keep up with the Steelers' high-powered offense. That's really all you can ask for at the tight end position. Unless, of course, you're going to score big with Jalen Samuels in your tight end spot this week. But I have Cook as a solid top 10 option this week. And now we'll move right into the Detroit Lions playing the Arizona Cardinals in the game with a 40 and a half point over under. And I don't know how many times I've said this already, but Matthew Stafford has broken my heart this season. And no, I'm still not trusting him in any games going forward. Now on to the run game. With running back Kerryon Johnson ruled out this week, we'll see LeGarrette Blunt in a great matchup against the Cardinals team that's allowed a league high 15 rushing touchdowns on the season. But I really don't care. I can see the scenario where Blunt does get 15 or more carries and finishes the week as an RB3, but I really do think that's his ceiling. I know the matchup is good, but I just can't bring myself to trusting him in the fantasy playoffs. I'd honestly rather have LeGarrette Blunt blow up on my bench than the chance of him putting up a dud in my starting lineup. I genuinely don't know if I could live with myself. And the same goes for Theo Riddick. These guys do have running back three or flex potential if you're really in a jam, but it's not something I would rely on if I could avoid it. And the Cardinals secondary has played fairly well. Kenny Galladay will see a ton of Patrick Peterson in this matchup, which isn't ideal. So while I'm not expecting a huge game, based off of sheer volume alone, he should find his way into the lower end wide receiver two territory. And then you have Bruce Ellington. As we mentioned on Wednesday, he is worth rostering as he's caught 19 of his 26 targets over the last three weeks. So he should provide a safe floor, but I'm not willing to slide him in as anything more than a wide receiver four in PPR league. So again, avoid if possible. And on the other side of the ball for the Cardinals, if you don't already know how terrible this offense is, allow me to tell you, you're only starting David Johnson as a low-end RB2. The Cardinals have not been good, and Larry Fitzgerald is the only other player you might want to consider. And even in a good matchup where the Detroit Lions allowed nine touchdowns and the sixth most fantasy points to wide receivers on the season, combined with a potential uptick in targets with rookie Christian Kirk done for the season, Fitz could have some fringe wide receiver two numbers. But again, I advise you to proceed with caution on this one. It is the Arizona Cardinals. They have been god-awful. Points have been few and far between. And just not really something that you want to gamble on in what is now the fantasy playoffs. Up next, the Rams take on the Bears. And this should be a very exciting matchup between two top-tier NFC conference teams. The over-under is set at 52 and a half. And of course, the Bears defense has not been a great matchup this season. They have allowed the second fewest points to quarterbacks all year. But the Rams are arguably the most prolific offense in the league. So you still got to trust Jared Goff this week as a borderline quarterback one. And it's tough to really take out any of those Rams. You're still going to be keeping them in your lineup, even though it is a rough matchup. It's not the most exciting matchup that you've had on the Rams schedule. Robert Woods has the toughest matchup. As the Bears have allowed just one top 20 finish to slot wide receivers this season. But just like Brandon Cooks, we have them both as solid wide receiver two options. We would just say not to go so far down the depth chart as to try to fit Josh Reynolds into your lineup. He'll see a lot of Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan for the majority of this game. Not very promising, those matchups. And now moving over to the Bears side of the ball, there's definitely some risk with quarterback Mitchell Trubisky returning from his shoulder injury that's kept him out over the last two weeks. And with cornerback Aqib Tlaib back on the field for the Rams, his matchup is not nearly as favorable for quarterbacks as it has been for the majority of the season. 
but Trubisky's rushing ability provides him with a safe enough baseline and enough upside to keep him in that higher-end quarterback two range for me. And the Rams' defense, oddly enough, does line up more favorably for Jordan Howard than Tariq Cohen. The Rams have allowed 94 or more rushing yards in five of their last six games, but haven't allowed any running back more than five receptions or 41 receiving yards over the last five. Now, I'm not saying to start Howard over Cohen by any means. I think that game script here will make it difficult to trust Howard as anything more than a mid-tier running back three. While Cohen has been electric as of late with 19 receptions for 201 yards and a touchdown over the last two weeks, keeping him in that mid to low end running back two range for me right around guys like Austin Eckler and James White. And I definitely don't think this is a plus matchup for Allen Robinson, who will see a ton of Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. But he has had seven or more targets in three of his last four, and I do think he's talented enough to be serviceable as a low-end wide receiver too. Just for reference, I have him right around guys like Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore, and Tyler Boyd. And while tight end Trey Burton has been unstartable over the last three weeks, he has played better with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, and the Rams currently rank 23rd against fantasy tight ends, so he should be back on the low-end tight end one conversation this week. In the final matchup of this week's preview, we have the Vikings taking on the Seahawks in Seattle with an over-under of 45 and a half. Kirk Cousins has been up and down as of late, and the Seahawks have been a brutal matchup for quarterbacks this season, currently allowing just under 16 points per game to the position. They have, however, allowed two-plus passing touchdowns in each of their last six games, as well as four 300-yard performances during that same span. I have trouble trusting Cousins as more than, as anything more than a mid-tier quarterback too this week, but he definitely has more upside than other players in that range with how strong that offense has been this season. And the Seahawks' run defense has also been struggling, allowing six yards per carry and six total touchdowns over their last five games. We can't expect a huge game from Dalvin Cook because he hasn't seen more than 10 carries since week one, but his work in the passing game, combined with his rushing attempts, has me trusting him more as a higher RB2 candidate this week. And to wide receivers, Seattle has allowed three touchdowns over the last two weeks. So Thielen, of course, is an every-week star, and you're expecting wide receiver one production. And as long as Diggs is healthy, which you will have to monitor as game time approaches, I would start him confident as a mid-range wide receiver two against the Seattle Seahawks this week. And for the Seattle Seahawks, I think this will be a tough one for quarterback Russell Wilson, who if you follow our social media pages, then you saw our stat of the day where he's been ridiculously efficient, ranking 24th in pass attempts, but 4th in touchdowns this season. This type of low volume definitely raises some concerns as the Vikings have allowed just 5 passing touchdowns over their last 7 games and have allowed the 7th fewest points to the quarterback position this season. Russell Wilson is an amazing quarterback, but I still have him as just a higher end quarterback too this week, and really this whole offense is just tough for me to trust this week. The Vikings have allowed just two top 12 running back finishes all season long. I think Chris Carson at best is a fringe running back two this week. And for the wide receivers, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, and David Moore, they're really just touchdown dependent wide receiver three or wide receiver fours this week in a tough matchup with a low volume passing attack. And that is all that we have for episode 32 of the Football MD Podcast. We hope that we were able to help you guys set your lineups for week 14, the first week of the fantasy playoffs. We hope that you guys are ready to make a run, and we cannot thank you enough for sticking with us all the way through this point. I cannot believe that we're already at 32 episodes. It really is amazing. And all of the support that you guys have given us up until this point has really just been amazing. If you're not already doing so, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Football MD Pod to get the most 
football MD content possible. And we hope that you guys stick with us throughout the rest of the fantasy playoffs and through the entire postseason. We're going to continue releasing episodes, releasing content, and keeping you guys up to date with the latest football news, whether it's NFL, draft, NCAA, whatever it is that you guys need, we're going to be getting it to you. So we're definitely looking forward to some exciting stuff coming in the near future. But for the right now, thank you guys for tuning in and good luck this week.